0: coming up now on Established in the Faith. We as preachers are to tell you of God's salvation plan. I can't save anybody. I can't force anyone to be saved. All I can do is give to you God's salvation plan and give an altar call. The rest is up to you, whether you come or not. But the altar is open. Let's turn in the Word of God today to Second Chronicles chapter 29. The book of Second Chronicles chapter 29. Second Chronicles chapter 29, move down if you will to verse 20. Then Hezekiah the king rose early and gathered the rulers of the city and went up to the house of the Lord. And they brought seven bullocks, and seven rams, and seven lambs, and seven he goats for a sin offering for the kingdom, and for the sanctuary, and for Judah. And he commanded the priests, the sons of Aaron, to offer them on the altar of the Lord. If you will, turn in your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 1. I want to read a verse there this morning as well. Leviticus chapter 1, move down if you will to verse 3. If his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. The past several weeks we've been dealing with how Hezekiah came to the throne. His first acts was to clean up the temple of God and to get the house of God in order. And today we're going to deal with the reinstating of the sacrifices. In verses 6, 7, and 8 of Second Chronicles 29, we read of some things going on there. When Hezekiah came to the throne of the southern kingdom, the southern kingdom was in a bad state of affairs. And as we look at these verses here, verses 6, 7, and 8, and you look at what was happening then, and you take a look at what is going on in our country today, there's a striking resemblance I want you to zero in on verse 6, if you will, Second Chronicles 29. The Bible says that Hezekiah's father, Ahaz, he did that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord. When we bring it up to today and we look at the leadership that has just come on board here in our country, the very first things that were done executive orders were signed for money to go overseas to pay for abortions, the murder of little children in their mother's womb. Another executive order that was signed was to give the LGBTQ more rights. And I don't know how you can give somebody more rights without taking away the rights of others. But, in the signing of these executive orders, it gives a man the right, if he says he identifies as a woman, he can go into a woman's bathroom. And they're already starting to find cameras and this kind of stuff now in women's bathrooms, so let me warn you women. And if you have little girls that are going into public restrooms, you better keep an eye on some things. Because we're living in some evil, wicked, ungodly times. Just like it was during the days of Ahaz. He did that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord. Ahaz, if you look there in verse 7, he shut up the temple. He shut the doors on the temple. Last year we witnessed how our government here in America tried to shut down the churches, shut the doors of the church, and thank God some churches stood up and took it to court and won the battle, but there are some states, like the state of California, churches are still shut down, and they're being fined $1,000 a day for every day that they're open, So there are still churches that are shut down here in our country and COVID is being used as an excuse, ladies and gentlemen, because 25,000 people could go to the Super Bowl last week and watch them throw around a ball on a field, but none of those people were allowed to go to church. Do you see the hypocrisy in that? Ahaz, the Bible says, verse 7, he calls the lamps on the candlestick to go out. God commanded that that light was to never go out. That lamp is a type of Christ. It's a type of you and I. It's a type of the light of the gospel. Of Jesus Christ. We're witnessing in our country today censorship of the gospel like never before, especially over social media. The lamps on the candlestick went out. Next, there in verse 7, Ahaz would not allow incense to be burned in the holy place. That has to do with praying and worshiping God. The government now is telling us, for those churches that are open, encouraging the people, if you do go to church, don't sing in church. You can spread the virus. It's hindering the worship of God. Ahaz would not allow incense to be burned in the holy place Also there in verse 7, he would not allow burnt offerings to be offered up unto God. The burnt offerings addressed sin. Some states right now are passing laws that will make it illegal for you to share your faith in an effort to convert, listen to me, homosexuals and Muslims. Ahaz would not allow burnt offerings to be offered up which addressed sin. And our government today is trying to squash our efforts of addressing sin in our nation today. And as a result of all of this, if you look there in verse 8, the Bible says that the wrath of the Lord was upon Judah and God delivered them. To trouble. Ladies and gentlemen. America is in trouble. And we're headed toward more trouble. In the not too distant future. Hezekiah when he came to the throne. How refreshing it must have been. To finally have a king that would do that which was right. And as I stated the first thing that he did was to open up. The temple of God. And he got things cleaned out. And he told the priest to get the house of God in order. And it took those priests eight days to get the physical house of God in order. But for you and I today as the temple of God, it takes a lifetime. When the priests were done, they came and told King Hezekiah, that the work was done. The work was finished. And in Second Chronicles 29, verse 20, the Bible says that Hezekiah rose up early. Now, let me deal with that for a moment, because there's several things that are revealed here, and if you ain't careful, you're going to miss it. First of all, he rose up early because he went to bed early the night before. He prepared himself for what he was going to do the next day. He didn't stay up the night before to hear what the news media had to say about the numbers as it pertains to coronavirus he had his mind made up it didn't matter he was going to church the next day he didn't stay up the night before to see what the weather was going to be but he had his mind made up the next morning he was going to the house of the lord and he rose up early he put god first And there was an urgency to go to the house of God. And ladies and gentlemen, for you and I today, there must be an urgency as it pertains to the work of God. We must not put it off. To procrastinate as it pertains to the work of God spells disaster for the church. So, we must be about the Lord's business and we must put Him first in all things. Secondly, for those of you that may be listening to me right now and you're not saved, there should be an urgency in your soul to get saved because the time is short. We are living in the last days. And you're not promised tomorrow. Behold, now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. never know when you'll draw your last breath. If God is dealing with your heart today, you need to make it right with God today. Seek Him now while He may be found. Hezekiah, there in verse 20, He gathered the rulers of the city. Together and he went up to the house of the Lord. King Hezekiah was the most powerful man in the world of that day. And yet he realized that by himself he could not do what needed to be done. It was going to take more than just him. So he gathers a group of people together. The same can be said of the church today. What needs to be done in the church today, what needs to be done in our country today, ladies and gentlemen, is more than what one person can do. It's going to take a group effort. A group effort. That's why God has called the church To do His work. What is His work? What is it that God has called us to do? Verse 21. To bring forth the sacrifice. Glory to God. Bringing forth the sacrifice is the only thing that could help Judah of that day. Bringing forth the sacrifice is the only thing that can help America today that sacrifice ladies and gentlemen is christ who he is and what he did at calvary they brought forth seven bullocks seven rams seven lambs and seven he goats for a sin offering for the kingdom the sanctuary and for judah these animals were offered up as a sin offering seven of each Seven is God's number for completion, perfection, and universality. Your salvation today is complete. There's nothing left hanging out here for you to do other than just simply believe. Now, if you believe right there will definitely be some works and things that you'll be doing. Okay, understand. This morning I stand before you and I am a human being. And because I'm a human being, I'm going to breathe. I don't breathe to become a human being. I breathe because I am a human being. You understand what I'm saying. So as a child of God... There are certain things that you will do because you are saved. But your salvation is complete. Your salvation today is perfect. Now, you ain't perfect. <gasps> but your salvation is perfect. Your salvation is perfect because you have a perfect Savior. And by faith you are in the Savior. And the Savior is what makes you perfect. And Jesus said, without me you can do nothing. Without Christ you have no perfection. Without Christ you have no righteousness. Without Christ you have no holiness. And without holiness no man shall see God. Thirdly, your salvation is universal. It's the same for everybody. Everybody comes in the same way. What way is that? The way of the cross. And there is no other way. You cannot come to God, sir, by the means of Buddha, or Mohammed, or Confucianism, or any other kind of ism. It has to be Christ and what he did at Calvary. And it is the same the world over. makes no difference what your nationality is. We all come the same way. And there in verse 21, he commanded the priests, the sons of Aaron, to offer these sacrifices up on the altar of the Lord. That is the brazen altar of sacrifice, which typified Calvary. It typified the cross. King Hezekiah he did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. He did that which was according to the word of God. And in the book of Leviticus, God gave instructions on how these sacrifices were to be offered up. And this is what God said in Leviticus 1 and verse 3. He said, if his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male. It had to be a male. God created man first and gave man dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and over everything that creepeth upon the face of the earth. He later created Eve. Inside the man we have the seed of the human race. And this is what a lot of people don't understand. When Eve partook of that fruit... Had Adam stood his ground and said, no, we're not going to go this way. We're not going to do this. Then the human race would not have fallen. It would have stopped right there with Eve. She could have repented. God would have forgiven her. And and we would have continued on. And sin would have never come on the scene. But the moment Adam refused to stand his ground, went against what God said and partook of that forbidden fruit, the seed that God placed inside of him became corrupt. It became fallen. And it meant that every single human being that would ever be born would be born with that seed now that it's been corrupted by sin. The first man, Adam, lost Everything. But the second man, Jesus Christ, would gain it all back for us. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It must be a male. That male was Jesus Christ. Secondly, a male without blemish, the Bible says. It had to represent the sinner's best. Just like God would offer to us His best. Each animal that was brought to that brazen altar to be offered up, it had to be inspected. It went through an intense inspection. It couldn't have any blemishes in it. No scars, no bruises. It had to be perfect because it represented Christ. And it represented our best being given to God. It had to represent the perfection of Christ. Because Jesus Christ never made a mistake. Are you hearing me today? I said, Jesus Christ, who is God, does not make a mistake. So, you do not have to forgive God. That's what I heard a preacher say this week over television. He said, your problem is, you need to forgive God. God never did anything wrong to you. But Jesus never did anything wrong. He he never did anything to have to ask forgiveness for. He never had to offer an apology. He never got short with anyone. He never said a cross word. He never became irritable. He never shaded the truth. He never exhibited jealousy, envy, malice, lust in any fashion. He was truly without blemish, the Son of God. Why? Because he was without sin. You see, his birth did not incorporate the use of a man. God planted in Mary everything that was needed to bring forth the Son of God. Joseph had nothing to do with it. All right. Also there, Leviticus 1 verse 3. He shall offer it of his own voluntary will. God never violates a person's will. God gave to Moses to give to the people his salvation plan. And it was up to the people to give heed to that And of their own voluntary will to bring a sacrifice. There was no one standing over the people to enforce this which God gave to Moses. All right, you've sinned, you got to bring a lamb. Nobody enforced that. It was all up to the individual. As they sinned and done something wrong, the Holy Spirit dealt with them to go get a lamb. Just like today, sir, when you do something wrong. The Holy Spirit deals with you and you shouldn't have done that and you have to go before the Lord. You have to go to the Lamb. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It has to be of your own voluntary will. And God will not save a person unless they want to be saved. And let me let me deal with this too. If you get saved and you want to play the fool and later say, I don't want to be saved anymore, God will let you not be saved. He's not going to violate your free will of choice. If you want to get saved, God will save you. If you decide you don't want to be saved then God won't save you. He wants to save you, but that's entirely up to you. That's your decision. Let them bring it of their own voluntary will. Today, we as preachers, are to tell you what the Word of God says. We're to tell you of God's salvation plan. I can't save anybody. I can't force anyone to be saved. All I can do is give to you God's salvation plan and give an altar call. The rest is up to you, whether you come or not. But the altar is open. We open up this altar every week. And last of all, here in verse 3 of Leviticus 1, there was a specific place for which this was to be done, and it was at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. Under the old economy of God, the sacrifices had to be brought to the tabernacle, And the reason for that is obvious because that's the place where the brazen altar was at. That's the place where the brazen laver was at. That was the place where the priests were at. That was the place where all of the instruments that would be needed for offering up a sacrifice, that was the place where everything was located. And you had to go there to that place in order for the sacrifice to be offered up. Today... There is a place where we go to be saved. And that place is the cross. Because it was there that Jesus Christ paid man's sin debt. But here's the beautiful thing about it. You don't have to go to a certain church to get saved. Sir, you can get saved right there in that jail cell today you can get saved in your car you can get saved at home you can get saved in a bar you can get saved on a street corner somewhere or up under an oak tree or are out in the middle of a field somewhere you can get saved because it's a spiritual thing today you come to the cross of Jesus Christ and if you will meet him there he will save you glory to God We're going to deal a little bit more in this first chapter of Leviticus next week. If the program today has been a blessing to you and you would like to have a free CD copy of this message, just give us a call or text us at 252 299 4-2. I'm Haven. And I'm Juliana. And you've been listening to Established in the Faith with our dad, James Pierce. He's the pastor of Friendship Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. That's right, girls. And now we're having worship service inside the church every Sunday morning at 930. As well, we're also having Bible study and prayer meeting every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. All of these services are being broadcast to the parking lot for those who wish to participate drive-in style and the church is located at 744 friendship church road in middlesex north carolina near the EMED community on the website if you click on the contact us tab google maps will bring you right to us we would love to have you and we hope to see you there and we hope today's program has been a blessing to you thank you for listening and god bless you